Yeah, that is that is nine um, World of Warcraft collector's editions. <laughs> Why nine? Well, it's like all of the expansions. Oh, the, I see. I see. Mm, <laughs> Tragic mm. nerd. Yeah, yeah, massive. Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 16, a podcast where we discuss Google Cloud and tech. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. And on today's show, Thomas Curian, has he really saved Google Cloud? Broadcom and VMware, what's up with that? There's a new Google Cloud region, and we take a look at a few new GCP features. But before we get to any of that, let's introduce our freezing cold co-host, Dave Wall. How are you going, Dave? <laughs> I'm cold. I'm oh, okay. it's, it's, it's Melbourne weather. It is just it's raining so hard. Uh, oh, I've, I've come I'm re- in my recording room here. I really should have put a heater or something on before because it is absolutely freezing. But yeah, otherwise, right. I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> Other than so that. Is that- has that computer got that new graphics card in it? No, this, this there's no computers oh. in this room. I bring the laptop up in here yeah, and the mic's all set up. Like, there's nothing that's been preheating the room for me. Yeah, right. See, I, I don't even need a heater in this room. I just put a game on with, you know, get the graphics card fire up and it just heats the whole room. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's nice with the, um, uh, my office downstairs. That's that's like that, right? There's two computers in there. Um, me or my partner will be in there. So the room's warm, but up here, it's just a desolate wasteland with a microphone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let's get warmed up with a few little items here. I heard um, that they're- I actually heard this earlier, but they're freeing up some more IP ranges. I, I, when I first heard this, it was just the 127.0.0.0 slash 16. Right. But they've expanded it now. Oh, how, how many? So we've got, so they're taking the 240 slash 4, uh, 0 slash 8, 127 slash 8, 225 slash 8 to 223 slash 8 ranges, making them available as ordinary unicast numbers, resources for networks that would add some 419 million IP4 addresses. Nice. I mean, that'll, that'll last a couple of months oh, yeah about a, uh, a femtosecond i reckon yeah. i'll get those <laughs> yeah. um and another interesting thing they're doing as well is um with bst 4.2 um when they first um you know created it they reserve zero for broadcast and of course you can't have a zero address right mm-hmm. for this reason but but why just because of this, is the why? Yeah, like we we use the top address since we've got variable subnet masking. Now we use the top IP range in the address, right? So there's no need to have a zero for a broadcast. So that's going to sh- that's going to free up a bunch of IP addresses as well. Mm. So if that was the case, what would be the first IP address? Right, because like the, we the know, lowest. So right now it's mm. one. Dot zero dot zero dot one, and uh, is that uh, that's the DNS for Cloudflare, right? Yeah, and they've also got one dot one dot one, yeah, right. So if you could use zero, mm, the race will be on. You can be the lowest w- number. Would it be zero dot zero dot zero dot zero? Would that be the lowest address? 
1.0.0.0 would be valid. Um, yeah. Probably could use zero in the first octet as well then, if that was the case. Yeah. Um, so that would be interesting. The race would be on for that, and that would be worth a lot of coin. <laughs> mm. I, I do wonder, like, to be able to make use of these IP addresses, I, this is going to be – there'll be a, a lot of – systems that'll need updating to be able to support those. Yeah, to make those routable, yeah, there's a lot of patching that would need to occur. But if it got into the Linux kernel, uh, that's a long way. That A lot a lot of systems would be able to route it at that point. Um, and then for systems that are running up-to-date Linux kernels. For systems, yes, for systems yeah. that are running up-to-date Linux kernels. And then, of course, Cisco has to get into its all its core devices and that as well. Yeah. So, but I suppose the first step is like, okay, from a standards perspective, these are now addressable. You can start writing systems for it, but it, it maybe it'll be a decade before you actually see it in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, because you've got that ossification effect, right, where everyone needs to be on, on board with it. Yeah, the other interesting thing about this is that the entire range from 240.000 to 255.255.254, right, is reserved for future use. If you look at the um, IETF uh-huh. uh, standard at the moment, that entire block is reserved for future use. Well, it is the future, and we want to use them. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> We're living it. It's happening We're now. It. So free them up, please. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah if, you, if you go and, and, and look, you can look at the Wikipedia article and see what all the ranges are for. I mean, it's, it's, it's all out there. It's pretty public knowledge anyway. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of waste. There was a lot of waste, and they, they just didn't, I don't know, it's a different time, right, when this stuff was... Created, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who would have envisioned in the eighties, right? That okay, like every person on the planet's going to have like six devices that will need IP addresses, and then like there's going to be this thing called Kubernetes, and like <laughs> you can <laughs> scale out millions of pods. Like, what's a pod? First of all, <laughs> I'm going to chew up all your addresses. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's one to watch out for. Oh, and um. I wanted to mention, um, I totally missed it in the last episode. I, I had it, I literally had it in front of me, but just skipped over it. Um, there was a project I was involved with called Traffic Garden. It's all, it's public, public, uh, public knowledge, a lot of public information out there that's been quite successful. Um, it's a, uh, what Traffic Guard is, it's a, a uh, fraud detection. So if you add fraud detection, so if you've got an ad on your webpage and, you might want to generate a bit of coin from that ad. You get some bot to go and do all the clicking on the ad, and then you you can generate a little bit of uh, click-through revenue from that. Uh, well, Traffic Guard will detect uh, if that's fraud is happening. Um, and they've landed their first big sale from the Google Marketplace. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, so part of the project I was on is they had to get everything into Google, uh, and then they could make it available in the Google Marketplace. And uh, yeah, according to this article, uh, it's a 12-month commitment consists of 120,000 US uh, in annualized revenue. So yeah, good on Traffic Guard. And uh, you know, uh, I had my uh, my little piece of uh, code is is in in amongst all of that, <laughs> all of that sale and all of the, the you know all that work that's happening there. Yeah, so brilliant. yeah, kudos. Yes. 
Um, so I'll link to that in the show notes. All right, so let's um, let's move on here. We wanted to we wanted to talk about this last week, didn't we, Dave? The uh, what is going on with VMware and Broadcom? It's 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 a big deal. <laughs> but, mm. I mean, VMware's had a a very interesting uh, life as it was transitioned into you know EMC and into Dell and out to a separate unit, and then yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, another another uh, step in their story, I guess. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, we're interested in this, of course, because uh, VMware and Google have got this partnership now around GCVE which is uh, VMware in Google Cloud, and, and Dave and I are heavily involved in a, a project for that at the moment. Um, so we're, we're interested to see how this pans out with Broadcom. Now, I'll link a show, uh, an article in the show notes, and this article summarizes, says, Broadcom has an expressed an interest to merge with VMware, right? Okay. And according to these guys, AlphaSeq, uh, we think the offer does not have much merit due to lack of synergies. And I'll get back to that point in a minute. Um, instead, we think there may be more qualified suitors for VMware who can help create significant value and tend to agree. Um, irrespective of the outcome, Broadcom VMware shareholders stand to gain. So th- these guys are a um, you know, finance, um, you know, marketing kind of, um, you know. Yeah, it's a share outlet. knowledge, right? It's a share knowledge, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're basically saying the lack of meaningful synergies coupled with more qualified suitors in the market makes Broadcom an ill fit for VMware. And you know what? I, t- I do tend to agree with that. If you look at Broadcom's Wikipedia page, because um, there's a Wikipedia page for everything, um, it says Broadcom Corporation is an American fabulous semiconductor company that makes products for wireless and broadband communication industry. It was acquired by Avago Technologies in 2016 and currently operates as a wholly owned subsidiary of the merged entity Broadcom Inc. So, yeah, like what does a fabulous semiconductor company want with a hypervisor virtualized, you know, technology? I, I, I mean, I guess they're going to want their SaaS revenue, right? They're gonna, that's surely going to be the, the play. I mean, I, I get what you mean. Like, they're a completely different space, but it's not Broadcom's first foray into software. I think they bought Symantec. Broadcom have several notable acquisitions, um, I guess more recently, sort of working backwards in their list. Once again, it's all in the um, Wikipedia article. Yeah, August 2019 was Symantec, uh, $10.7 billion. Um, CA Technologies, oh, November twenty eighteen. Yeah, mm, yeah. Uh, brocade. And, I mean, brocade bro- makes sense, right? That SAN infrastructure that was. Yeah, and so does Emulex and LSI, right? They make they make sense as well. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess you can see that from if you take everything after that brocade acquisition in twenty sixteen, it's all been software plays. Um, I, I did think it was very interesting, though, that the plan uh, should this go ahead is that they will be known as VMware. They're going to shift from being Broadcom. They're going to take on the VMware name. That is interesting, isn't it? I mean, Broadcom's kind, the name, the Broadcom name is tarred with a bit of a brush, isn't it? Mm. Um, so VMware probably comes with a little bit more kudos, that name. 
I wonder if that means we'll start seeing um, the chips with the VMware name on them. I was thinking VMware ASIC could be a, a possibility. Mm. You know, application-specific ICs for hypervised infrastructure. That may be that may be something they're looking at doing. Yeah, I mean, from from what I'd read in the articles, like they their their big time interest is on building and that around that SaaS recurring revenue as opposed to you know signing your yearly enterprise software license agreements, which in the space that we're operating in, where you know you are getting if you're using GCVE or any of the other kind of VMware cloud options. That that is that model, right? You're getting it like however many nodes I want. I'm paying my license every kind of hour. You you might feel I think if you were um, operating you know your own infrastructure and you were wanting to you know purchase uh, licenses, that I imagine that some there might be some changes there. You might be getting pushed more to like the subscription model. All right, well, look, we'll see how it pans out. There is a lot of money in cloud, though. I have to say, um, another article I'll link here is um, from uh, ZNet, uh, a lot of money sloshing around in cloud, and uh, if you're all moving into cloud, you probably should think about negotiating. Worldwide end user spending on public cloud services is forecast to grow 20% in 2022 to a total of $495 billion, up from $411 billion in 2021. Um, in 2023, end user spending is expected to reach nearly 600 billion. That's just so much cash. <laughs> it's so much cash. And with things like GCVE, I mean, there's going to be more pouring into it, right? Definitely. Um, because as we found, it's not cheap, right? But it's, it's a lot cheaper than running your own on-prem infra and paying all that licensing as well. Yeah, and trying to get hardware, like logistics has not gotten any better, mm. right? Like, it's still super hard to get your own tin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're still really recovering from the pandemic and all the lockdowns in China, and that's just slowing all of that up, right? Um, so this article goes through a list. We love a list, Dave. <laughs> and, and what they're saying, uh, there's a couple of interesting points in here. So this list... Um, here's some key bits of advice Manfields provides on negotiating reasonable terms with a cloud vendor. Um, it, it's a bit of a tangent to what we're just talking to yet, but I, I, I'm getting, to, I'm getting to a point at the end after, after all this, right? We'll get to something. All right. You're building. Um, I'm building. Yeah. Uh, beware of the myth of on demand. Now I had not thought about this before, right? Now cloud sells itself as this whole on-demand infrastructure, right? So mm-hmm. you can spin a box up when you're not needing it, you've got to shut it down, blah, 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 blah. But they also sell you upfront commitments. So you're committed to a spend um, anyway. True. So, <laughs> but, but I suppose it depends on like, okay, it's like just, you know, pulling random numbers, right? Like, yeah. If you had, say, a minimum uh, commitment of like a million dollars a year, um, you've got the flexibility to spend $10 million if you want to. But if you committed to a higher amount, you're probably going to get steeper discounts. Like you're leaving money on the table if you undersize your minimum commitment. Yeah, right. 
You know, like you could yeah. have you could have yeah. no contract. You could go pay as you go, but you're going to pay retail price. You're going to pay retail price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I suppose you still got to be careful with it, right? If yeah. you have a minimum spend, you can yeah, like you say, you can easily blow that, right? And mm-hmm. you you want to you want to you still want to use on demand. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's, it's one you got to be careful of, and I think that's what he's really trying to say in mm. this article. Um, what cloud vendors want are assured revenue streams. So that that sort of dovetails into the upfront commitments, right? So requiring upfront payments of fees for each year of them. So as long as you're aware of that, they they want an assured revenue stream. Um, if you if you're going into a, a contract with them, that's why they want all the money now. Um, make sure price protection is in place. Um, cloud subscription agreements are often ambiguous. Uh, make it clear that adding additional products or users will come under the original pricing agreement. Well, I mean, that's that's just due diligence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, watch out for renewal hikes. A good contract should should at least cap any potential increase when it's time to negotiate a new contract. Fair enough. Um, and then this point um, really twigged my interest. Handle downtime terms with precision. So this is all around your SLAs, right? So... I think uh, what he's trying to say here in this this item is track that very, very closely. Um, even the most ro- robust cloud providers have their share of glitches that include downtime for customers. Uh, while it's a given that cloud agreements include enforceable service level agreements, Mansfields urges cloud customers to insist on tight measurement periods for SLAs. Right, and that, that makes mm. sense, right? I mean, it's good operation to do that um, and just make sure that the penalty structure actually gives you a compensation that you can use, right? So if, you, if it's just, you know, some app time or something that's pointless to you, then, then that, you know, you should go for something a little bit better, like a reduction in your fees for you the spend, month. spend, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, and of course, ensure free and clear termination. Uh, when vendors fail to meet SLA provisions, customers should be able to cancel agreement without penalty. Um, yeah, and then there should be no obligation. And you know, if you're, um, I think it's fair to say, if you're going into an upfront deal uh, through, um, you know, someone like us, then we'll make sure all this stuff's in place for you and make sure you get a fair deal. Um, so interesting article there about. You know, how much money sloshing around. Now, I wanted to highlight the Broadcom and the uh, the money sloshing around business because an interesting video of Thomas Curian surfaced, um, the CEO of Google Cloud. Uh, he did an interview on uh, Bloomberg and uh, had a few interesting things to say about all of this. So I'm so curious what your outlook is on this market turmoil and what you're seeing in terms of demand. Are you seeing any signs of a slowdown in spending? We're seeing that the market is entering while it has some volatility in different parts of the world, but technology is seen as helping organizations you know, address supply chain shortages, serve customers better, get online digitally, and so demand for cloud remains very strong for us. What's your take on this Broadcom VMware deal, and how will it change or potentially reshape the cloud landscape? You know, Broadcom and VMware have uh, are both partners of Google, and we, you know, we're thrilled that they are looking at moving forward together. We think uh, 
a lot of customers use a combination of VMware and Google Cloud together, and we have a, a strong program with them uh, to help people migrate VMware workloads to the cloud. So we look forward to continuing our work with both companies. Now, Google Cloud is still growing, as I said, but it, it, you know, it is third to AWS and Microsoft, yes. and there's a lot of work to do to close that gap. What is the secret weapon going to be? How are you going to scale your market share? And how long is that going to take to see you get closer to those other competitors? Well, we are seeing very strong demand for our products, whether that is new kinds of infrastructure we're delivering. We are now delivering infrastructure capabilities, not just to run IT workloads, but telecommunications network, the announcement we had with Bell Canada, for example. Uh, we're seeing a lot of interest in our cybersecurity tools uh, to protect people's networks and applications and data in the cloud. And we're seeing very, very strong interest for analytics and data products, which are being used recently. There was a case study we did about UPS optimizing how they route trucks using our capability for analytics and data. So we remain focused on providing great solutions with customers, bringing the innovation of Google to customers and doing so at scale around the world. And if we do that well, we'll continue to grow and we'll continue to grow and gain market share as we have been these last three years. You recently did a sustainability survey that found that 50% of executives believe there's hypocrisy in their organization on this topic. How so? You know, sustainability, what we found from the survey, number one, it's a super important priority for 80% of organizations around the world. Yet, they have difficulty, 35 to 40% of organizations struggle with being able to measure their progress because the data about sustainability is not as easily measurable uh, for a variety of reasons. And a number of organizations now need help uh, to progress towards their sustainability objectives. And we at Google are helping many organizations do that. Now, how do you make sure that hypocrisy doesn't exist at Google? And this has been a criticism of, of all the big cloud companies. For example, you do work with oil and gas companies. You do sell your services to those companies. Where do you draw the line? We sell our services to oil and gas companies, not for exploration production, but to the environmentally clean or the green parts of these companies for work that they're doing. We're also helping oil and gas companies decarbonize in a variety of different places. And we help them with things like distribution, et cetera, in their retail stores and other things, but we're not doing work in the exploration production business. The second, we do help many, many companies in the sustainable energy business, both by providing our technology to them, as well as being the largest procurer of renewable energy in the world. We power our data centers and our global network of cloud regions using uh, green energy more and more. And we've been carbon neutral for 14 years now, even as okay. we provide technology for many organizations around the world to run their IT in a more uh, renewable way. Does Google still have that deal with Aramco, for example? We work with Aramco's system integration division not with the oil and gas division. And we work with their system integration division to provide our technology to customers in different parts of the Middle East. 
We have said that again and again, that we don't work with the oil and gas division within Aramco, but with the system integration arm of Aramco. Now, Google did recently strike a deal to buy Mandiant for $5.4 billion. I know the goal is that this will help enhance Google's cloud offerings. Quickly, how would you characterize the cyber threat landscape right now, especially in the midst of this ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine? Cyber threat landscape is changing in the kinds of threats, the scope of the threats, the scale of the attacks. And we at Google, along with our technology, help people detect threats, protect against them, and analyze if they have been compromised. And we are seeing strong growth for our product portfolio, chronicle, simplify a lot of our cybersecurity products being adopted by regulated industries like financial institutions, commercial customers, critical infrastructure organizations like telecom networks and utilities, as well as by government agencies. So there you go, Kirian, uh, more or less touching on every topic we've covered in the last three or four weeks. Yeah, I mean, what do you what, what do you talk about there? First of all, we had uh, you know questions around the amount of spend that's happening in cloud at the moment. Yep. Um, it, the Broadcom VMware deal um, didn't didn't say much, but he's saying you know we look forward to working with. They're already both partners with mm-hmm. Google. Um, so, look, I have no doubt that something else is going to come out of that with, between that new collaboration and Google. I'm sure. Yep. Um, the whole sustainability thing, uh, I think you answered that question really well. Um, that was you know, uh, some new information for me, though, in that. Like, I didn't realise that they don't work with um, oil and gas for exploration purposes and, extra- and uh, production. I didn't know that. Oh, well, there you go. But he was saying that they just work with Aramco the what do you call them, the technical the it yeah, side must have an it services um, side of their business it services side yeah but 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 here's the thing though like you would you would you would think that they are the preferred supplier to aramco oil and exploration wouldn't they be so indirectly google is helping them <laughs> but <laughs> it depends how you cut it right yeah uh, and then, uh, yeah, talking about the whole Mandiant uh, and cybersecurity threat. I mean, Curian is going for it. He's really going for it. All of these things are now saying they come to fruition. Um, so I went and had a little bit of a dig around and, uh, you know, sort of looked into Curian. And he's, he's, he's done quite a lot in Google Cloud. He, he came from Oracle. Uh, he came from Oracle in, uh, what, 2018? Um, I'll link to an article on the show notes that with an interview with Kirian, um, and and to quote them, they say in a blockbuster move that sent shockwaves through the industry, <laughs> dramatic. Yeah. Kirian left Oracle after a successful twenty-two year career to become CEO CEO of uh, Google Cloud in late twenty eighteen. Um, since then, he's increased the headcount upward of fifteen thousand employees. I mean. We've reported the last couple of shows on some some uh, you know some sackings and some movements around and stuff, but but on the whole, um, it's <laughs> on the whole, yeah, they're they're moving moving ahead, yeah. Um, what Thomas Curian has done for Google Cloud cannot be overstated. He has completely legitimised the platform in the hearts, minds, and eyes of the largest organisations in the world. 
Yeah, it, de- it definitely has changed. I mean, there's a um, like there's, there's a part in this article here about like <laughs> the revenues alone. Like it, <laughs> they're now doing in a quarter what they used to do in a year. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was generating five point eight billion annually uh, in two thousand and eighteen. Uh, Google Cloud now generates that much in a quarter, uh, $5.8 billion in the first quarter of 2022, representing a 220% increase. I mean, gee, if it, if it continues at that rate, yeah. I, I, I don't know how much longer we're going to – Google Cloud's going to be number three. Yeah. They've, got to hit, they've got to hit the top spot. But <laughs> you've got to think about, though, like how much – like in, in the last article we are talking about, the, the, how much more money is coming into cloud services – you know, what was it, $600 billion by next year. Um, so, mm. yes, they're the fastest growing cloud in terms of- So, they're creeping up the market share, but the market's also accelerating at a, you know, yeah. a cracking pace. Yeah, and it's really- Yeah, of that $600 billion, this is like a tiny amount. Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. He mentioned partnerships with government organisations and telcos, and uh, we know just recently that- uh, Google Cloud launched a new data center in Madrid. Yeah, partnered with their their national carrier, um, Telefonica, um, an existing uh, with their existing infrastructure. And what they're going to do is they're going to jointly develop a range of products using Google Cloud Edge computing. Right. Um, so they, which was being targeted at telcos, I think was the uh- yeah, and they've done a similar thing uh, in Germany with T Systems in Germany. So, um, and and the the Madrid move is was sort of driven by um, data sovereignty as well. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's so common, right? Countries are like, no, if you've got certain types of data, it has to stay in our borders. To carry on, a couple of quotes, more quotes from this article. Um, Kirin is now ready to push Google Cloud front and center into multi-cloud era with plans to win more cloud computing market share in the coming years with several strategic moves. Um, from revolutionising the Google Cloud marketplace, that's going to be interesting, mm-hmm. to making cybersecurity a true market differentiator. And we know what's happening with cybersecurity there. We need to get an update on the Mandiant court case, actually. I don't know where it's at. And what what they also, what Curian also said is, you know, their products like uh, Google Search, Maps, um, and Gmail, you may notice that, they're never down. Oh, they, ne- they never seem to <laughs> can't, can't have maps on Saturday because it's we've got maintenance. <laughs> yeah, they right. And it, to quote Curian, he says, "You probably notice that they have never been brought down, and you're able to access them all the time." It's because a lot of the security tools and operational solutions we have built over the years to protect our own services. Now we're making those solutions available to our cloud customers. So you're going to get this impenetrable fortress um, on on your on your little PHP website. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know. I think last fortnight we touched on assured open source product, which again, same sort of thing. Oh, yeah, something yeah, yeah. they that, developed in house. Yep, how yep. they work things uh, and making it available for everyone else to use. Mm, mm. That's a good business model. Yeah. Yeah, this article goes on to talk about the Mandiant uh, purchase, which I think we've talked about a bit in the past. Um, also talks about uh, channel partners, which we we talked about last fortnight. That's that's a big deal for for Curian. Uh, 
and he says, with their security uh, products, uh, customers won't need to have the best security experts. Um, you can just, you know, they make it make it easy to configure, and you get all of the knowledge and power that security from Google Cloud brings you. Mm. There was actually something that I thought was was really interesting in here is how they were changing um, the cloud marketplace, though. And there was going to be um, it's either current or or in soon that spend through marketplace will count towards your commitments. So, you know, we're touching on before about like having the right amount of minimum spend um, in your Google commitment, but now you'll be able to have, so through Marketplace, you might want to consume like, I don't know, let's say Splunk, something else that has other licensing, but you'll be able to include that spend in your minimum commitment and have it all appear on the one bill. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So it's, I think it's it's a good way, I guess, to get more of that spend under Google's umbrella, even if it's then being distributed out to partners through the uh, cloud Channel marketplace. Through the marketplace, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And it gets more products on the platform, right? So the more products you get in the platform, the more you get that network, network effect. effect. Yeah. Everyone gravitates towards it. Yeah, that's right. The goal is simple for Curian. Build the customer base. Bring that customer base to the partner ecosystem. Commit to being partner-friendly with a goal to be 100% attached. Specialize the partner ecosystem so they have deep skills in different areas and introduce the partner with our sales organizations to customers by eliminating friction of any kind between partners and customers. There you go. Uh, That's been a lot of the focus for the last three and a half years. We're starting to see the results of it, and we're very encouraged with the progress we're seeing. um, There's some points in here. It was talking about you know, how much work they're trying to get their you know, partners to do because um, that's where they, they, I think they see strategically where they see the services coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a note in there that I think it was, they have a backlog of $50 billion worth of projects that are signed contracts. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's a real opportunity, obviously, for all the partners. Yeah, book, booked work. Yeah, just just money waiting to be realised. Yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, I'll link to that in the show notes. A very interesting read. Uh, you can find out all about what Kyrian's been up to. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking for more forward to the future with what he's going to bring to Google Cloud. All right, we'll move on with a couple other quick articles here. Um, Google seeks fresh talent to lead global Web3 team. We touched on this last fortnight. We did touch on this last fortnight. Um, yeah, the tech giant Alphabet's Google is now on the outlook for full-time candidate to lead its, its global Web3 marketing strategies. So Google's all in on the Web3, and I, I bet you Kirian's driving this as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, there's a uh, I'll link to the article, and there's a, there's a tweet. Um, Google Cloud Group forms Web3 team to capitalize on um, booming population. So, popularity of the platform. While the world is still in its early, early in its early embrace of Web3, it is uh, it is a market that is already demonstrating tremendous potential. With many customers asking to increase our support for Web3 and crypto related technologies. We shall see. <laughs> Yeah, I might need to go and do a couple of courses on this because this could be the next big thing. (laughs) Um, 
This article goes on to say, Google has been known to create and discard numerous in-house initiatives. However, this is Google's first attempt at delving into Web3. So we'll see how long it lasts. I guess that's what they're saying. Yeah. Go test the waters. Yeah. Throw some... uh yeah. Throw some crypto at the wall, <laughs> but it's going to happen, right? We're going to we're going to see more crypto and more Web three. I mean, it's I think it's kind of inevitable. Whether when it's going to happen, whether they're jumping the gun too early, we don't know. Another new thing that Google announced during the fortnight is uh, managed services for Prometheus. Yeah, new pricing tier for it. So it's been out for a couple yeah. of months now. Um, but if you had a particularly large, say, like a Kubernetes environment, you're putting all of your metrics at it, it could get fairly pricey. <laughs> yeah, excited to announce a new low-cost, high-usage pricing tier designed for customers who are moving large volumes of Kubernetes metrics over to the service. Furthermore, we're lowering the price of the current usage tiers. Yeah, I think it was um, like pretty much across the board. It's at least a 25% uh, reduction in all tiers. And then if you if you end up in like the really big tier, um, you'd be basically, I think it's a 50% saving over what you were spending before. So why would you do it? Um, the service is designed to be a drop-in replacement for running your own Prometheus, which is nice. Uh, so you can gather, store, and alert on your metrics. Um, you get a two-year retention of all metrics, including the price, which is nice. Cost-effective monitoring on a per-sample basis. Uh, easy cost identification identification and attribution using cloud monitoring. Good. We, we know how nice it is having everything in one uh, pane of glass Definitely with the project yeah. we're working on now. Yeah. Uh, no changes needed to existing Prometheus query or alerting workflows with managed or self-deployed collection options. And the ability to view Prometheus and Google Cloud system metrics together. Um, and... Uh, the reason I'm pointing this out is because right now there is a quick lab available for it until the f- June 15, uh, four and a half hour walkthrough, free. Nice. So, so, yeah, if you're listening to this shortly after it goes live, you've got uh, about a week, get on it. <laughs> get on it and do your quick lab on this, uh, four and a half hours of Prometheus. Yeah. And another few new feature that's come out that I really liked I couldn't actually find a solid article on this, is Artifact Registry now supports apt and yum. What's been released is GA. Pretty nice. Uh, like It's got all the details on how you can you know, like connect to those things, but um, I mean, it's just great to see that service you know, building out and supporting more options. Yeah, really good if you've got, um, if you're doing a full CICD mm-hmm. and you can easily... You know, keep your keep your repo, keep your app repo updated, and then you can easily deploy. Yeah, you your can app still you still use repo, app, right? Yeah. You can use Yum on your your rail boxes. Use app or Yum. Yeah, that's it. I mean, gee, that's that's so much easier than you can you can easily set up separate pipelines that way. One keeping your repo running, and and one deploying your boxes. Uh, right there in Artifact Registry, no need to go and muck around with building up a an app repo, which is oh, can be a bit annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, really easy. Um, just create the repo, drop a few files in there, and have at it. Uh, I'll link to the set up your security uh, if you need to, and or you can make yeah, it public you can make if it secure, you want. Yep. Make it public if you like. Yep, yep. Uh, put some authentication on it uh, if you want. Um, yeah, really nice feature. I'm uh, oh, I've got a 
I'm going to have to go. You know, I'm going to have to go and look at the uh, maintainers list for uh, Debian and see if there's any any stuff that needs maintaining <laughs> and maybe dob myself in to try and create some packages and host something. I don't know. Oh, nice. But that's definitely how I do it. I think we'll finally finish up on this one. This one twigged my interest because, you know, it's a good bit of hardware. Everyone loves a good bit of hardware. AMD um, has expanded their confidential computing presence. Um, n- customers now have access to advanced hardware enabling security features powered by third-gen AMD. So you know a little bit about confidential computing, Dave? Yeah, just a smidge. Um, so it's leveraging uh, a service that's uh, part of the AMD Epic CPUs, um, which is a, uh, I think it's, what is it, Secure, what is it, SEV, it's SEV, oh, Secure Encrypted Virtualization. Right. So right. what the, the really nice thing with it is, is that, it separates and encrypts the memory of your VMs separate from the hypervisor, right? So it really helps to protect your machines, especially when you're, you know, when you're on shared TIN, as you know, if you're in like a compute engine instance, for example, um, it helps prevent your machine from being able to be attacked from another VM that's sharing that CPU, right? You can't go, can't go sideways within the host. Um, and it, it's built into the Epic CPUs, um, and now with this uh, this update, you'll be able to just switch it on um, just by selecting. I think it's the the Milan era CPUs, and and that's all you need to do. You switch it on, it, enable yeah. confidential computing. You don't have to make any code changes. There's negligible performance hit for it. Yeah, that's what that's what that's what they're saying here. Um, you just got to enable AMD SEV. And that keeps keeps the VM memory encrypted. The ability to run workloads without dramatically impacting performance, nice. One-click implementation of confidential computing, nice as well, with no code changes. Um, simple upgrade. If you're already running on existing, you just, just flick it over and you've got it. Uh, only available in a few areas, though. So uh, cent- U.S. Central 1, of course, uh, Asia Southeast 1, U.S. East 1, U.S. East 4, Asia East 1, Europe East 4. So not Australia Southeast at the moment. Uh, I mean, it does say and more. So I have to check and see if there's a full list somewhere of everywhere that has the uh, N2D VMs and C2D. Right. So that's what we're looking for when we when we build these out. Yeah. C2D machine types, yeah, okay. Who would be interested in using this? I mean, everyone should, eventually everyone should have this, right? But right now, what what sort of use cases would you have for this? I mean, I'm trying to think of that. I mean, I'm not sure if there's an additional cost impact on it. Um, I don't know why there would be, but there might be. Um, I mean, if you're on shared infrastructure... You know, protecting yourself in any way you can from, uh, you know, potential bad actors that could be on that host as well. Uh, I guess, de- especially if you're dealing with, you know, sensitive information or like customers' PII. Yeah, there is a separate pricing for confidential VMs, yeah. Um, vCPU on-demand pricing, $4 per vCPU per month, US. Uh, spot pricing, uh, nearly a dollar per vCPU per month. Okay, that's not too bad, especially for critical infra. 
No, that's right. It's not too bad. And look, it's obviously you think that would come down as this becomes more the norm. Mm, true. Because I mean, you are needing to be on some pretty cutting edge CPUs to get it. So, yeah, that's right. Uh, I do remember that there was um, a service that uh, is mutually exclusive with confidential computing. There was uh, one we, we spoke about probably a bit over a month ago where it was um, scanning for uh, if you had- uh, That's the hype. Yeah, the hypervisor scanning to see if you had any like uh, crypto miners or anything running on your- um, and that makes sense, right? Because what it's doing is exactly what you don't want occurring. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly what it's trying to stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't want anyone coming in on your hypervisor and scanning your memory. Yeah, correct. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, cool. We uh, we might finish up on that. Um, what a what a jam packed show. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it was really great to sort of catch up on what Curian's been up to and just see that progression over the last, what, four years since he's been there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't stop. It really doesn't stop. Even, you know, we've seen there just now there's new features all the time. New features and, you know, we said like this, there's so much work to be had and more work in the pipeline. So, you know, getting people to be able to do that is also a big... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. we didn't even we didn't even talk about the lack of staff and talent at the, this week. <laughs> that seems to be a recurring theme as well. Uh-huh. All right, Dave, uh, we might finish up there. Look, guys, go to iTunes, write us a review, and don't forget to check out Kasna Between Two Clouds, our sister YouTube channel. And uh, you can contact the show. We've got uh, email there, gcplife at kasna.com.au. There's a Twitter, gcplife. You can check us out on the website. Uh, just Google GCP Life, you'll find that. And uh, today's sponsor was Kasna. At Kasna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. You can Google that as well. We're making a new website for Kasna, so that's going to be great when that drops. You'll see our smiling faces uh, on there. You'll see our smiling <laughs> faces on there, that's right. And that'll be about it for two weeks. Anything else from you, Dave? Uh, no, I am going to go and get into a warm room. <laughs> Yeah, you warm your bones. Maybe get a um, hot cup of Milo oh, or something. Give me a coffee with my name on it. <laughs> All right. And we will catch you later. Bye. Uh, see ya. <laughs>